Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce the next guest. He has 35 years in television and radio, and is a five-time voted Maryland Sportscaster of the Year, and is Sports Director of WJZ-TV Channel 13. Please welcome Mark Viviano, everybody. What's up, Adam? Man, you, uh, you're sounding like, uh, I tell you what, you're, you're rocking. I, like, when we, when we last spoke, this we're going back a few years, right? The last time we talked, uh, clearly you're, you've become uh, you've become quite the pro with the podcast. Way to go, brother. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's, yeah, um, you know, me and you met when I was interning at CBS Radio and uh, working at uh, part-time along with the Lantern uh Jerry Coleman, uh, for, you know, and, and doing his thing. So, yeah, it's been, um, you know, it was great, you know, having a chance to work with you because you're on the TV side and, you know, uh, I was on the radio side. So it's kind of cool. You know, those things kind of, you know, got to work uh, alongside. So, uh, you know, it's kind of neat how that all came together. So talk about your journey into TV and whether it started for you, you know, was it early on? Or was there any influence, you know, um, you know, any family members or friends that had an influence that as well? Yeah, it it wasn't. No one in my family has gone this route. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, Adam, I was like, you know, growing up in St. Louis, I was like, you know, pretty much every young boy, I, you know, I, I dreamed of playing center field for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, <laughs> that, that that was like that was my dream. And, you know, and I played sports and, uh, baseball, basketball, soccer, you know, I just did a little bit of everything come from a big family. And one thing that was a constant, you know, besides playing sports is, you know, also like kids, all kids, boys, you know, I was, (laughs) I was into watching sports and listening to sports. I, you know, I would, you know, I would go to bed with the radio and listen to Cardinal games and di- turn the AM dial. This is back in the old days, man. I would, I would, I would turn the AM dial and see how many <laughs> games I could hear from across the country, you know. And so I just kind of became a just a fan of, you know, how sports were not just played, but how they were spoken of live broadcasting and stuff. And I just I just had an affinity for it. And then when it, you know, when it came time for me to actually decide what I was going to do with my life, um, you know, I was in high school and a lot of the guys is we're getting close to having to make college decisions. You know, a lot of guys were saying, well, I'm going to go to business school or, you know, (laughs) what, you know, and I just thought, what do I really want to do? It's funny because my mom, her, I did pretty well with my grades and she wanted me to be a dentist. Wow. <laughs> she she wanted me to be a dentist, I think in part because I was one of five kids and the dentist, every time we went to the dentist, you know, it was like, it was expensive, you know, you, you, <laughs> and the dentist drove a red Porsche and my mom, wow. so, so I think my mom had a dream. You're <laughs> smart enough to be a dentist and maybe you'll get a red Porsche. Well, <laughs> fact is, Adam, I, I still, to this day, dread going to the dentist. I just, (laughs) so I sure as heck didn't have it in me to be a dentist. Uh, But what I wanted to be, I thought, you know what, if I, if I could pick anything and I'm not going to be the center fielder for the Cardinals and I wasn't, I didn't have the skills for the NBA, 
maybe I want to be a journalist. I want to cover sports. And I'll never forget the day I was a junior in high school. I told my mom and I thought I was going to break her heart because <laughs> she wanted me, me to be a dentist. But I remember the very day in our kitchen in St. Louis and I told her and she said, you're going to be good at that. And at that affirmation right there, that did a lot for me that, you know, I thought mom was going to be disappointed, but she was <laughs> supportive and she enrolled me in a journalism camp at the University of Missouri between my junior and senior year of high school. And I took off from there, you know, unfortunately, my mother passed away uh, shortly after that. And she never got to see me uh, do television or, or radio or anything. But I think of her every day. And I tell parents to this day, if your child has a dream or a hope, affirmation goes a long way. And I'm living proof. Like her, her telling me I'd be good at it is something I has fueled me. And here I am, you know, after graduating University of Missouri Journalism School, I've been... I've been employed every day for 35 years. Adam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. Yeah, that's awesome. You talk about the affirmation and, and talk about your ability to craft, you know, the art of journalism and how you hone that. Because obviously, obviously it, it doesn't come overnight, right? Like you have to work at it. You have to work at your writing skills, your journalism skills. So what did you do differently, maybe from others, that really helped you along the way to craft your skill? That's a great question. And I think when you choose a profession like broadcasting or journalism, most people that get into it, you're following a passion. It's not, <laughs> it's not a typical nine to five. It's not a doctor. It's not a lawyer. It is. It's a it's really a passion. It's something that, you know, I, I like to think of, you know, you go into any newsroom and, you know, there are all sorts of different people and personalities, but they all got something in common, too. <laughs> and they're drawn to this idea of of collecting and reporting news. And when you go to school and you could you could go to a to a broadcast institute, you don't even have to go to a four year college. You can learn the nuts and bolts. You can learn the basics. You can learn how to put things together. You can learn, you know, the ethics of journalism, the, the rules and laws of journalism. You can learn all of it. But it's your passion and your personality that make who you are as a professional. That's, that's, what, it, that's what makes us different. And I think it's important to remember, and it's something that I kind of grew into when I first started, I thought I had to be a reporter. I had to be the, like there was a cookie cutter type to be. Well, <laughs> all of those basics are important and you should not stray far from how the job needs to be done. But then you have your personality. That's what you add to it. And so when you ask me, what did I do different? I just did me. you know, <laughs> And I just did it the way that I thought it should be. Um, and and especially in radio, Adam, when you're talking and people are, you know, in their car and they might be listening to you for any number of minutes, if not, <laughs> if not more, there's a connection there. It is, it's personal, especially in radio because you have time and television. There's not nearly the time to do that. 
but and it's your personality that sets you apart just like your podcast you, your your podcast is going to sound different from everybody else's because there's only one Adam Voice you know you're the guy exactly. that's how you do it and that's what makes you good and different that's what sets you apart and i think i had to understand that at an early age and then have the confidence to be me um and 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 at the same time i say that you still got to learn how to be you and learn what works and what doesn't work. Uh, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of us in this business who've just been who we are, and it wasn't received very well. And either you say, "Well, okay, maybe I need to adjust this," or "Hell with it, I'm I'm not changing just for anybody." But <laughs> it, it's 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 an ongoing process. It really is, and building confidence is key. There's no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And so you started out as a sports reporter and then eventually went over to CNN uh, down there and then ventured back uh, to your current now at WJZ. So uh, walk me through that process. What was it like, you know, covering uh, the local teams in Baltimore as a sports reporter and then the tenure at uh, CNN before getting into uh, the current role at WJZ now? Yeah, well, my my career path is similar to if you look at like a ball player starting in the minor leagues. And, <laughs> and my first job was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and it was very little pay, but <laughs> but I had just gotten out of college and I couldn't have been happier. I was living a dream in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was getting paid to cover you know, the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State Cyclones and, uh, it, you know, big time college sports. And it, and, and it meant a lot in, in Iowa. I mean, that's their pro sports there, you know. So I, I went from Cedar Rapids, Iowa to Dayton, Ohio. And then in Dayton, Ohio, you know, you're close to Cincinnati. So I covered the Cincinnati Reds World Series in 1990. I covered the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals in football. So now, okay, I'm up to the next step. I'm not in those cities, but I'm near those cities, and I'm covering NFL and Major League Baseball. And then I got the job in Baltimore, and now I'm in a big league town. I'm, in, I'm covering the Orioles, and, uh, you know, the Ravens moved here. The, the first live shot I did in 1994 – was a Canadian <laughs> that the Baltimore Stallions of the CFL, uh, they, nice. were play, they were playing at Memorial Stadium. And I was told, hey, this is a football town. This is a football town. And sure enough, the, the CFL team did well. And I was fortunate to uh, kind of be on the leading edge of breaking the news of the Browns moving to Baltimore. But so after five years in Baltimore, um, an opportunity came up in at cnn cnn had a sports network that many of your listeners may not even know about it was <laughs> called cnn sports illustrated it was a it was cnn paired with the top writers and columnists from sports illustrated and they were they were all on the air with us and we had some good we had some talented people like it it was great being there. I worked <laughs> with uh, Fred Hickman. Uh, he, he, he was a desk mate of mine. He sat right next to me. And Fred was a, he was a legend at CNN. When they used to do nightly sports, he, he, it was Fred and Nick Charles. For those who are older who are listening to this, you, you would know that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, some of the uh, – Stephen A. Smith was on, our, was on our team. 
Wow. Uh, yeah, we had, I mean, uh, Tom Verducci was on our team. You know, and you're talking about Verducci is probably the top baseball writer, broadcaster the, of the other of guys who do both. He's, he's just one of the best. He's awesome. Um, so, you know, we, we had some good people doing some really good work. Uh, a lot of them went on to, uh, to uh, ESPN. Um, you know, there, there's just a bunch, but then, then here's what happens, Adam. I'm there for two years plus, and then AOL buys Time Warner, which had owned CNN, <laughs> and AOL was going to phase out the sports unit. And we're like, oh man, you know, I moved to Atlanta, <laughs> I loved the job, everything was great, except that it wasn't going to exist anymore. Um, and so a lot of the guys at CNN, I mean, it was depressing. A lot of guys just started jumping ship because they had to find jobs elsewhere. But we were told this, and this is, this is one of the craziest things in my career where I just say I'm fortunate. We were brought, you know, there was a meeting. They said, if you're here to the end, when we turn off the lights, you will get severance. Mm-hmm. And so it's so like you got to make a choice. Do I bail now and just get a job or do I stick it out while I'm looking for a job and get severance? Mm-hmm. Well, as it turned out, um, Baltimore called and they were like, do you want to come back? I'm like, do I ever, you know, that'd be great. When do you want to start? And I was like, well, let's make it, you know, we, it was going to be June of 2002. Within within a couple days, CNN said, "Okay, our final day is going to be May. I can't remember. It's like May the twelfth or whatever." And I was I was scheduled to start in Baltimore on June the fourth. So I signed off the network. I did the last show. I I turned out the lights at, at CNN Sports Illustrated, and started in Baltimore two weeks later, and uh, was able to start a new job. <laughs> while getting severance from another job um and i and i'm just blessed i'm just that's just dumb luck adam uh but i loved i loved the national coverage i loved traveling and covering nfl games um it was all great you know and it, it, it was it was wonderful but if i couldn't continue to do that being back in baltimore was uh was like being back home and since I've been back, which is 19 years now, since I've been back, I, I met my wife. I have two kids. Um, and, and, and this is uh, I'm really blessed. It's 20, almost 25 years on the air here. So it, it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you talk about, you know, the early stages of your career and how, you know, how you came up through the minors, if you will. So talk about that and how important even today for young journalists and the students coming out now to understand that um, because it, it, it won't happen wide, wide away and you have to pay your dues. Um, so how important is it for students to understand that? So important, Adam. And that's such a great point that you bring up the way that you do and frame it so that people getting in the business are aware of the hard work that, I mean, again, it's a passion and it doesn't <laughs> feel like a job, 
But man, when you're in Cedar Rapids <laughs> and it's negative 10 degrees <laughs> and you're shooting an ice fishing story, uh, you better love it, man. <laughs> I mean, and you know, in, in Cedar Rapids, I, you know, I was shooting my own video and editing mm-hmm. my own video. You just do everything. You just, you do because you had to, but you loved it because you wanted to, you know, this was like, you're going to pay me to do this. What more can I do? You know, <laughs> uh, I had the blessing of working with a veteran sports director. I did the weekends and a guy named John Campbell, who is, he's a legend in Iowa now retired, but I watched John, I, I sat in the same office with John and his work ethic was unparalleled. And I, and John and I are friends to this day. And I tell him, I've gotten to 35 years following your lead. <laughs> the guy works so hard. And, you know, he probably didn't have to. He probably could have been coasting by that point in his life. But he loved it. His passion never died. He kept doing it. And he kept, do- you know, he would, you know, you know how it is, Adam, because you you lived it. If you work, if you work six, seven days a week, that's normal because yes. <laughs> you got to work when stuff's happening. And some guys I've seen, I've seen guys just quit the business because it just didn't suit their lifestyle. And that's okay. That, that's fine. Find something else because if you're not willing to, you know, I can't tell you how many times I missed uh, you know, a family event back <laughs> home in St. Louis, uh, you know, a, a wedding, a birthday, a party, stuff like that. You miss that stuff. You just do. Um, because especially, you know, most sports football season, it's weekend stuff, right? I mean, it's just yes. the way that it is. So in those early in, you know, like I said, I'm shooting, I'm shooting ice fishing stories, hunting stories, <laughs> You know, I, all of it. Wrestling was so big in Iowa. I had no idea. To this day, Adam, true story. To this day, I think the loudest crowd I've ever heard Iowa, Iowa State wrestling in Iowa City, Iowa, they were the top two teams in the nation. And it came down to the heavyweights, and there was a pin. The, the uh, Royce Alger was his name. I still remember his name. This was <laughs> back in 1986. He pins the guy, and I swear, I thought the building was going to collapse because <laughs> there were 15,000 wrestling fans in there, and, they, and Iowa beat Iowa State with a pin, and the place exploded. And, like, it was unbelievable. So that's Iowa, man. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what did I know from wrestling? You know, all I knew was WWF at the time. <laughs> so, but this was real, man. This, these are, you know, Dan Gable was the head coach. They won like, I think, nine national titles. So that's another thing about, okay, you go someplace in the country where you've never spent time and you learn something different. When I moved to, when I moved to Maryland, you think I knew anything about lacrosse? I'm from St. Louis. They didn't even have <laughs> lacrosse. Now they do. I should add, they do now. <laughs> but when I, you know, it's there's things like that. You, you know, you, you learn so many things, and that's part about being new. Be adaptable. Be open-minded. Be hardworking. Be creative. Uh, but those early, those early jobs, uh, they'll test you. 
and they'll weed you out too. You know, and like I said, I saw some people like, this isn't me. I can't do this, you know? So there's so much to learn and you, you still learn, man. I still learn. You know? <laughs> and it, you hope that never ends. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so many, so much good uh, information there uh, for sure. Uh, so talk about the craft of media and journalism and how that changed over time since you got in the business, uh, you know, with time changing and evolving, uh, every day is different, obviously. And as time evolves, as things change, um, how do you think the role of media has changed over the years since uh, you got into the business? Wow. It has changed, Adam. It's changed <laughs> dramatically. I would say from, if you know, I can speak, I think I'm qualified to speak on the sports end of it. <laughs> and the the greatest change has been the basically the platforms that we communicate from where when i when i started in the 80s tv was where it was at i mean <laughs> it was still the heyday you know it was still you know tv stations were the primary source of news local tv was big Local TV mattered. Uh, newspapers were still, you know, you know, abundant and big, you know. And, you know, radio, I, I think radio has been a constant. Radio is not going anywhere. Exactly. Although, although there are more, you know, with satellite radio and podcasts and things like that, it is certainly, you know, it's, it's a wider array of, uh, of, of radio and radio type listening. Um, you know... There, as doing the craft, to me, other than the fact that now, you know, I feel an obligation to communicate on Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> you know, things like that, it hasn't changed me other than my having to adapt to that. But, you know, I communicate with people now on Twitter. I, you know... I put stories out and, and videos out and pictures out on Twitter. Um, and I like it. I actually do. It's fine. It's good. So that's been a significant change. Now, if you want to have the conversation, just from my point of view, as somebody who has worked in newsrooms for 35 years, the general news media has changed dramatically. And in my opinion, not for the better, not for the better. It, it is, it has gone to a place that is as much opinion at times as it is information. And probably the greatest culprit of that is cable news, which is almost its own entity. I think local TV stations still are true. I think they are true to the craft. You know, I think you're going to get a straight story out of local news but when it comes to cable news and to some degree network news, it's it seems more agenda driven, more politically slanted. Um, like there's a, you know, I, I think anybody who follows, you know, kind of the, the the waves of this country can't help but notice that it's kind of lost its you know, the media has kind of lost its middle, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, you're either all this or all that. And there are a lot of reasons for it, you know, and I have my theories, but 
I guess that's why, Adam, I often say sports is the toy department. And I'm glad I work in the toy department. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's certainly the case. And uh, talk about, have you done any TikToks? No, I have not. I I wouldn't even know how. I'm not a TikTok. I'm aware of it. I know that there is... uh, I don't even do, dude, you know, I, I, the fact that, you know, I, I stick with Twitter and I do some Facebook (laughs) that, that, you know, is kind of funny, but like Instagram don't, don't know it. Don't do it. And I know it's very popular and and it's all good. I I don't have anything against it. I just, uh, I, let's just say, I just don't have time or interest and that's just me. You know, I think the fact that so many people, have so many avenues to be so creative and to communicate. I think it's great. I, I don't, I don't begrudge that at all. You know, and, and if that means there are more ways in which people get more information, uh, and that means I've got to stand out in whatever way I have to to survive, then the challenge is on me. That's all good. <laughs> I, I like challenges. I think I think that's great. But no TikTok. How about you? Are you a TikTok? What, what no, I, I haven't. I, I, I have not gotten into TikTok. Um, I, I do not use it. Um, I have friends uh, that use it. But yeah, no TikTok for me uh, either. <laughs> all right. Let me ask you this. If you did, what? Because I all I know is like people dance on TikTok, right? Or like, what, what would you do on TikTok? Like if Adam, if somebody said, Adam, all right, dude, you got to do a TikTok. What is, what is, what would be a normal thing for someone to do on TikTok? I would definitely do uh, the Ray Lewis dance for sure. There you go. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, for sure. That's, if so, uh... I would like to see that. <laughs> yeah i'll let you know I'll you might you convert know. me to tiktok just by you doing a ray lewis dance <laughs> yeah no yeah definitely uh that would be a lot of fun uh so yeah and and talk about the relationship you know with sports media the players the team obviously the local media uh works alongside the team and you know with players and access you know with the pandemic a lot of that Change. they wasn't fans so talk about how different it was last year but not having fans in the stands and do yeah. you think anything from the pandemic the Cedars stay and how how did access change and is there anything that changed that is going to stick around for maybe not having as much access as you might have had before great question great observation because <laughs> last year was I mean listen you know half a million plus people died that's that's the headline you know and i say about the pandemic i think in our conversation we know that okay we we get that so anything that makes it sound like oh you guys are talking about the pandemic how you didn't get to go in locker rooms but all these people yeah i understand that and that is the (laughs) most important part and i'm not forgetting that and that's what matters now Mm -hmm. to your question uh, yeah, everything was uh, distant. Uh, I covered Oriole games. I covered Ravens games. Uh, and I covered them in empty stadiums. All the Oriole games, uh, home games, were empty stadium mm-hmm. games. 
The Ravens had, I think, 7,000 for the Pittsburgh game. Uh, there were, I think, 10,000 for the Buffalo game, the playoff game. There were some fans in Philly when I went up there to that game. So, yeah, that that in itself was creepy. That was just weird. That was just weird. Um, but then again, you know, like even in the baseball season, because they play so many games, you did get used to it. It, it never felt normal, but you got used to it. And I think the the players and the in the, in the uh, and everybody else did too. Um, as far as the access to the players, yeah, it was all zoom interviews that's all it ever was and so yeah you missed the connection in fact this year okay so rewind 2020 march 2020 i'm at oriole spring training in sarasota <laughs> i'm interviewing guys you know i'm down there talking to the guys and, <laughs> and doing stuff i get home to baltimore then the pandemic hits and then i'm covering <laughs> the season well they started bringing up guys and making trades and here we are in 2021 and not until a few weeks ago did they even allow us access onto the field to do our first one-on-one interviews. And I'm meeting guys for the first time who've been Orioles for a year plus. <laughs> uh, so that was weird. But, you know, even they were, you know, like happy to see us, you know, whoever thought that would happen. Uh, but some of the guys were like, yeah, this is, it's been weird. You know, there's nobody in the clubhouse and this and that. Um you know, so to your question about how much of this is going to stick, I, I tell you, I've had my questions about increasingly limited access before the pandemic. Now that we had it thrust upon us because of the pandemic, I think there are leagues, teams that are like, well, that wasn't so bad, you know. <laughs> That was kind of cool, not having to deal with those guys. <laughs> so I, I think there's going to be a continued push for some of that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if there's just a feeling that locker rooms don't need to be open, that everything could be done, you know, outdoors, you know, in a hallway or not, you know, in the personal space of guys. And I'll be honest with you, Adam. I've been going into locker rooms for 35 years. And sometimes I just, it does hit me. Why are we in here? It's kind of weird. It's like, dude's naked. He just got out of the shower. And there's a bunch of people standing there waiting for him to towel off. You know, it's like, I, I get it. They get it. But if you just kind of step back a second and go, what the hell are we doing here? You know, it's kind of weird. Um, so, you know, if, if there came the notion uh, that, you know, maybe it's not necessary for us to be there, but in an adjoining room where they could come in already clothed, I can see that, you know. Uh, we'll see. It's a great question, Adam, and there's a great unknown as this thing, uh, you know, kind of moves back toward a feeling of normal, but I don't know if we're going to – I doubt we're ever going to get back to what we had before. You know, you'll be one of those guys who – Years from now, we'll be telling your grandkids, oh, I used to go into the locker room. The guys would be coming out of the showers, and they'd say, oh, that's gross. Why did you do that? You could say, I'm not even sure why we did that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, it's kind of interesting you think about it because, you know, you always, you know, during playoffs or postseason play, a lot of teams, you had that structured post-game interview where either 
you know, you have the coach or um, so forth, and then you have a few players. Um, and maybe that could be the case. The only thing with that is you do lose a bit of creativity where yeah. you may not be able to get, you know, you, you might have to get the players they have instead of maybe going exactly. after a player you you want to interview as a, as a um, you know, as a story you might be writing, right? Exactly. That That's exactly it. And there, I will say this, at least locally, the Ravens, the Orioles, they, they made guys available uh, <laughs> if you had special requests, you know. It, it's harder to get them in front of a, 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 a computer for a Zoom call, but for, you know, newspaper reporters to get them on the phone, they would accommodate that. So, you know, good point. Uh, and there can be provisions for that so that, you know, if you if you had a particular story you wanted to do and it, and it was with someone who wasn't in a select group that was taken to say, OK, here's who you get to talk to today. Uh, they, they've made accommodations, which is which makes sense and is good. Yeah, for sure. And how important is it? I mean, obviously, it's very important to have good communication skills, um, you know, as a journalist. But how important is it, uh, especially locally, to have those communication skills when you're working not only for your affiliate but also the team because especially with the local affiliates you guys kind of work together it's kind of it's not really competition per se it's it's kind of like you you have your own story but you're working together too right to a degree yeah i think we're (laughs) all we're all kind of on the same mission but with different you know you know different affiliates Mm -hmm. um yeah and still i mean you're still you know, looking for your angle, pursuing mm-hmm. your angle. And what happens, though, is that when there are group settings, if you ask a question that you're working for a story and you get a great answer, now everybody's got it. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, every, and everybody's going to go, oh, I'll do that story too. You know? <laughs> but that's fair game. It works. You know, there have been times when I would certainly use, you know, an answer from a question that I didn't ask. It's inevitable. It's just the way it's going to work. Uh, you know, that that's normal. But if you, you know, because like, for instance, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't do one-on-one interviews unless you're network, right? So it's not <laughs> like you're going to get anything specific from Lamar Jackson because they only do group interviews for like top guys like him. I mean, you know, other, you know, there are other guys that, you know, when you're in the locker room, you could just go up to them and, hey, you got, you got a second, sure, and you get your one-on-one interview and maybe ask some questions that, uh, that, that feed into a storyline that you're pursuing that nobody else has, you know, and that's, that, that's, that's, that's the competition there at times is that you believe you've got a story that you think is interesting and you pursue it. But that's harder to do without one-on-one contact with these guys. Of course, always seeing the game different than anybody else. That's the key and that's the art of journalism, right? Because if you write the same story, that's not you. You're not doing, uh, doing the craft justice, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, mean you, I, I think it, go, it goes back to the, the basics that we talked about at the outset. You, there are basic fundamental facts and essential elements to every story that everyone will have you know what's the final score (laughs) you know how did it get there 
But then from there, you begin to branch out with your take on what was significant about what happened or didn't happen for it to get there, right? And what reactions uh, from those who participated were noteworthy to include in your story. You know, it helps you tell the story. And, you know, and that's, yeah, that's it. I, I think if you have, you know, 10 reporters covering the same game, you should have 10 different stories. But the, the basic bottom foundation of it is going to be the same uh, unless somebody wasn't watching. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, for those young journalists or, you know, Anybody that, you know, you guys hire, bring into the sports division, what are some key traits that, you know, you look for in a young journalist, a young reporter uh, that will make them successful or some traits that, you know, don't make a successful reporter or journalist? Well, you know, on on different levels of answering that question, I would say, you know, I'll, I'll get to... I'll start with that foundational aspect that drives you to be in the business and is your passion for it. (laughs) Uh, If you come through the door, just excited to go to work because you get to do what we do. I need to see that, you know, I need to see, you know, I'll work, I'll work seven days a week. I don't care. I, I, I want (laughs) to do this. You know, that, that's, that's going to go well. That's going to carry you well. Because that's uh, it's not a it's not a lifestyle that suits everybody. Um, so that's one thing. Be curious, you know. Be a curious person. You know, ask questions. You know, if you wonder why something is the way that it is, that's a good uh, element to bring to the stories you do. Because then you're going to ask the questions. You know, well, why is this? You know and be curious and find out things, you know, and, and that's, that's obviously key to it. Um, you know, that, you know, everything else is, is communicating with confidence. I mean, if you're on the air, uh, believe in, you know, it's interesting. I have people say, do you ever get nervous when you're on TV <laughs> or you're on the radio? The only times I feel a tinge of nervousness is if I don't have a full grasp of the subject matter that I'm conveying. Let's say it's like breaking news and something just happened and you're just having, a, you got a, just a cursory bit of knowledge and you're having to, you know, fill it out. That's tough. That's the hard part. And that's where people in news are really good uh, when they're able to do that. But if you, you know, so do I get nervous? No, not really. If, if I believe if I've written a script or I've researched a story and I cared enough to find out because I cared enough about the story, then I'm confident. I'm confident in my presentation of that information because I think it was pretty cool that I that I found it out, you know. So, yeah, if it. You know, that's another thing. You, you, you have to be a confident communicator. And what, what is confidence? Confidence is knowing what you're talking about. And then the other part about being on camera or projecting your voice and all those things, those will come with repetition. That, that comes with doing it for a while. Uh, and then all that kind of builds into making, you know, 
your career and who you are as it projects uh, for others to take in. Yeah, I love that. Definitely some great advice. Uh, before I let you go, I want uh, to ask over the years, over the times that you've covered sports, uh, been in news, what has been your uh, maybe top five interview, mm-hmm. maybe athletes, if you have top five, I'm sure you got you know top 10, top 20, top 50. But, uh, you know, if you had to pick uh, your a, a few top interviews uh, that you've done over the years of athletes, who would they be? It's a good question. And I've been so fortunate to meet and interview so many people <laughs> that there was one interview that changed my life. And you've never heard of this guy. <laughs> you've never heard of him. I know you haven't. And anybody listening to, to this has never heard of him. When I was working in Dayton, Ohio, and I did a local story, a feature story on a 75-year-old man who was preparing to run his 75th marathon. Guy's name was Joe Abbas. He was a former U.S. Army soldier. Uh, He was stationed in Europe in World War II. And he, when he was in the war, he was, he's a little guy and he was nervous. (laughs) And at night he would run around the base just to, just to keep himself occupied because he was scared. Anyway, when, when he comes stateside after the war is over, he realized he missed running and he started running. And here he was, I'm interviewing at age 75, getting ready to run a 75th marathon. And he was just a fascinating, friendly, wonderful soul of a man. So I'm with the videographer that I'm working with and we get into the, into the TV truck afterwards. And I, and I said to the, the camera guy, who's a, still a friend of mine, I said, I'm not waiting till I'm 75 to run a marathon. And I've run 35 marathons and I've, you know, qualified for Boston. Wow. But, it, but it was that interview that just triggered something in me. That man and his passion for running, I think, touched off what was kind of inside of me. But he woke it up like he lit the fire for me. And that changed my life because I'm still a runner. And it. it it uh, it just really inspired me. So, Joe Abbas, Dayton, Ohio, nineteen ninety, I think nineteen ninety, is wow, the year yeah. before I was born. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the interview, Adam. I mean, that's the one. I mean, I I'm telling you, it's clear as day that that changed me. You know, sure, I've interviewed. You know. Hall of Famers and, and greats in football, baseball. I mean, you name it. I, you know, commissioner. It's all good, but they didn't change my life. Joe Abbas did. <laughs> so that's my answer to that question. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. And I, I want to touch on that because running running is, is not easy and you have to have endurance. So, what is the hardest part about, you know, running a marathon or getting, you know, building up your endurance to be able to do that? What do you think the hardest part and most challenging part about doing that is? Wanting to. <laughs> it, really, it really is. And I want to. And I have, 
you know, people know that I'm a runner and I, and I do a <laughs> lot of races in town and I, you know, get to MC the races and welcome people. It gets back to what we talked about with journalism. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about the dedication, the discipline, the drive, the challenge. All of that is the same as with my career. All of those things. It's not easy. It's not easy or anybody would do it, right? You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not easy. And then and then I have people say to me, I just I don't like running. I find it boring. And my 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 immediate resto- response is, don't do it. Find something <laughs> you like. I mean, don't find something you want to do. Find something that when you do it, it's challenging and satisfying so you want to do it again. Because if it's something you don't like, you're not going to want to do it again. <laughs> so um, the hardest part about all of it is, to me, is wanting it. Now I got that. Now the, the, the next hard part is, you know, you know, just staying on course. But I love the training. See, that's the thing. Maybe I'm weird. But training <laughs> for a marathon takes three months. But I like the three months. I like the discipline. I like though you you've got to run this distance. You build up this log of mileage. You've got it in front of you. It's on your calendar. You got to take care of your body. You got to exercise when you're not running. You got to do maintenance. You got to eat right. You got to sleep well. And you do that for three months, and then it all pays off. One day you run this marathon, and you never know. That could be a bad day. You maybe wake up and you don't feel good. I, I, I'm amazed. Like when we watch the Olympics to think about how people have trained their whole lives for that one, uh, hundred meter dash. <laughs> and if to think you could finish eighth in the finals of the Olympics and be one of the fastest people in the world and be disappointed. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but the guy who wins, obviously, that's his forever, you know, and that's pretty cool. So just, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I, I met my wife running and, you know, that's that's a pairing of two people with a similar passion. Yeah. Uh, so find that passion, whether it's your job, whether it's your exercise, whatever it is, man, your your recreation, just, you know, your books, your movies, whatever it is, you you, you find it. And and just go with it, man. It's that's that's what makes life great. And try different things too. You know, I still I still try to do different things. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm gonna do TikTok, but I try I'll try different things. I love it. Now, do you have a, you know a, a special cook, or how do you allocate you know not just the exercise but the meal plan and all that good stuff? What's what's your strategy to staying healthy with the healthy diet? Well, I have a wife who's a wonderful cook and she <laughs> and she is on the same program. So she eats like me and she cooks <laughs> for me. And I, I I'm not I don't make it sound like she's a, you know, a slave to the kitchen or anything. She <laughs> likes she likes to cook. Uh and you know, it's just it's just one of those things if you do it, if you invest your time, you'll put you'll invest in your body. And what you body matters when you're you know, when you're trying to get the most out of it, let's just put it that way. Uh, and when you're younger, it doesn't matter. But when you get older, <laughs> boy, you're going to find out real fast that if you're not eating right, and getting proper rest and exercising right, you know, nothing's easy. So 
you you can cheat when you're young, but as you get older, man, it's no joke. But that's good. Again, challenge. You like a challenge? Do it when you're 57. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, Mark. Um, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will get a ton of a uh, ton of great stuff uh, from the podcast. If uh, people want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way to do that? Either on Twitter. Twitter, or... yeah. Uh, it's uh, at Mark WJZ. I think that's what it is. Sure, do I have to look at my own? I, have to look at my... I think I have to look at I have to look at my own Twitter handle. What, what is my Twitter handle? Let's see here. It's, uh, it's uh, at Mark WJZ. There it is. I awesome. see it. I see it awesome. on my phone as I'm talking to you. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Mike. I really do appreciate you taking the time. I know, uh, you know, with uh, baseball season in full swing, got Ravens uh, getting ready. They got uh, training camp coming up. So a lot of good things. Hopefully they should be fans in the stands coming up uh for football season oh yeah they're gonna be at training camp too this year they they're gonna open up training camp to about a thousand people they're gonna have a stadium workout on july the 31st uh so yeah the stadium's gonna be open for games you know provided that uh, everything continues to go the course that it's going which is great yeah it's awesome mark uh well i do appreciate you coming on the pod this evening it's been my pleasure pleasure's mine adam it's so good to catch up with you it's been too long continued to continued success have fun man keep following your passion because it's that that's the way to go i appreciate that that mark and yeah we'll definitely uh continue the conversation won't be as long next time uh for sure whatever anytime brother it's all good take care have a good evening you too brother see ya